Hi, Martin. Hi, Max. You there? How's it going? Oh, you know, I'm I'm doing well. How have you Good. been, Martin? I haven't seen you in this year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I haven't seen you this year. Good, good for you then. Well, or you. I don't know which way. Around, uh, but, uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Apart from my suspension's broken my car, so I may suspension. Yeah, I may get a knock on the door from the uh, person who's going to tow it to a garage. But uh, how, how did you break the suspension? Did it just go, or did you hit a big bump, or what happened? I pulled off my drive, and it just went. Oh, so one wow. side of the car is lower than the other, and I can't drive it. So. Well, can I mean, you can you can you add the ask them to put hydraulic lift in so then you can like intentionally have your car like you know? It does. Uh, it does look a bit of a kind of pimped up low rider car at the moment. It doesn't really yeah. suit me, but yeah. Other than that, all good. You? Um, nothing too exciting or crazy this week that comes to mind. Went to the dentist. That's about the extent of it. So, normal life things. And they made fun of me again for not flossing. I'm like, okay. You would think after all these years, you'd learn I'm, I'm the not floss guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I break out the dance. Exactly. <laughs> that Max is thinking, who are these pair? Exactly. Hey, hey uh, I, I think uh, they're used to everybody not flossing at this point. <laughs> Hi, Max. Hey there. Um, so, we, we've been threatening for a while to have education talk on Teams Fridays, and Max is our education expert. Could you introduce yourself a little, Max? Tell us you know, who you are and how you got into Teams for Education. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, hey, everybody. Max Fritz, uh, and I'm a product manager on our Teams for Education group, uh, a realistically education group focused on Teams. Uh, not that that matters. Um, I work on uh, all sorts of stuff centered around our classroom experiences. Uh, I specifically work a little bit on uh, more on our higher education uh, stuff, but I work with plenty of people in primary and secondary K-12, you name it, um, colleges, universities, everybody in between. Uh, a lot of a lot of stuff in uh, <laughs> teams assignments and uh, some of our lightweight um, learning management style capabilities, uh, VLE, if you will. Um, and I've been doing this for, gosh, almost three years now. Um, I joined Microsoft, uh, in our, our healthcare field actually. Um, and just, uh, kind of stumbled across this opportunity. I've always done education stuff on and off. It was a perfect fit. Yeah. So, so you, you, you kind of stumbled into it. You didn't, it's like you had an education degree or something and then. No, no, I, I will never claim to be the, uh, the PhD in education or anything like that. So, so I guess you were quite, if it's three years ago, that would have been like 2020. Uh, and I'm thinking that was a, a, a very, very busy time for teams in education. Yeah. Uh, kind of exploded. Uh, <laughs> uh, had definitely had a lot of uh, remote learning, just jump the need for, teams in education and not just a lot of people jump to the hybrid learning uh, or remote learning that, that we all know and, and maybe love uh, depending on if you had young kids at the time and had to uh, go through being the supervisor for that. Um, that was slash tech support slash emotional support. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
and that's great stuff. We, we've got tons of students still uh, utilizing Teams for hybrid learning, uh, more by choice now as opposed to by uh, necessity, which is just wonderful. Um, but what's really interesting is the amount of uh, institutions and schools that picked up using Teams for the classroom collaboration, um, the, uh, the distributing of uh, content, work assignments, um, reading materials, uh, some interesting, real interesting stuff that we've introduced in the space of helping with uh, reading liter literacy um, and um, uh, some accessibility needs that have really shown that teams can be a supplement to an in-person classroom. Uh, and we've seen a lot of uh, schools just jump at that. Yeah, I guess my, my experience was the, I think I think in the UK, a lot of schools did different things, particularly at the start. I think lockdown number one, there was, we didn't do any. Lockdown two, we then went to stream videos uh, and I was consuming videos in stream, teaching two kids. Um, and then on the other hand, some other schools, maybe more middle schools, my children were at first school, um, were using Teams and meetings. Um, perhaps for teaching in, in classrooms. But yeah, I mean, for me, I do a lot in teams kind of calling meetings, not on the education side, but what can you do now in teams for education? Cause I, I've seen assignments and some other things pop up, but um, I've not dabbled a lot with it. And my, my children are in first school, so haven't got that far yet. Yeah. Um, gosh, we have so much stuff in there now. Um, hopefully everybody watching is familiar with, you know, you're, you're, not generic, but your team's meetings. Oh, yeah. um, not the education stuff, but... Yeah, I was going to say, I know nothing about the education stuff, but team's meetings, I'm, I'm pretty good at. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll get into the education stuff, but some of the stuff in team's meetings uh, has been really exciting for the education space recently. Um, and uh, some of those things, I'm not sure if you guys have talked about on, the, uh, on here recently, but uh, some things like the new sign language view that allows an interpreter yeah. to highlight it. Like, that looks really cool. That's a really big deal for us. Um, and, uh, something we just rolled out, uh, two days ago, um, which, uh, is, uh, meeting templates for education. So if you are a Microsoft education customer, uh, we haven't had any blog about this. You're hearing about this right now for the first time, unless you follow the roadmap really carefully. Um, you go to create a new meeting, you hit that little drop down. Uh, in, a, in addition to seeing webinars on there, you're going to see class meeting and lecture, um, which allows you as an educator to go and create a templatized meeting preset with all the meeting options that we believe are the right ones for you to control the class, keep things safe. And those younger class meetings, keep the, things a little bit more open, but still control who's allowed in the lecture meetings. Um, so do be sure to check those out. Those are those are fun to put together in there. Are they are they sort of because I know I think Teams Premium is bringing kind of meeting templates, but are, are those available with education SKUs versus yeah, premium? Those, are available to, those two are available to all our education customers, uh, regardless of premium status. We, oh. it's it's kind of like we took the Teams Premium meeting templates um, or meeting guides as they're calling them, um, and we said we hey we really need to provide an easier way for those uh, educators to set their meeting options. Let's, let's give education these two out of the box. 
So Martin, you mentioned, sorry, sorry, Martin, you mentioned SKUs just now. So I just wanted what 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 are core differentiators between like the A1, A3 SKUs and e, the, the E1s that I am familiar with, E1, E3? Yeah. So what um, all do you get, like what all do you get in the A SKUs you don't get? And is there stuff you don't get in the A that you do get in the equivalent E or? So it's actually really um, almost identical. Um, so the A1, A3, A5 SKUs, for those who aren't familiar, are education SKUs from Microsoft 365. Um, and they're meant to mirror the E1, E3, and E5. Um, and there's just a, a few tiny minor differences um, in how those SKUs work in terms of some, some stuff around live events and recordings. Um, that, that we, we did some grace periods for live events at the A1 SKU and recordings you can't keep as long at the A1 SKU. Um, but here's the key thing. Um, if you are in education, uh, that A1 SKU, as long as you are a verified education institution, you have a .edu or you can work with us to provide the, the right proof if you don't have a .edu, that A1 is something that we give out uh, at no charge to oh, really? education institutions across the world, um, which is why it has a l- just a tiny bit uh, fewer features than your E1 SKU. But besides that, it's really meant to mirror. So what happens if you run a not-for-profit that is focused on educating the community? Does that count for an A SKU? No, it does not. Damn, trying, to free, trying to get some free licenses, man. <laughs> we're, 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 we're chartered as an educational group, but hey, not I, a school. <laughs> I, I run a user group over here in Minnesota in the U.S. Uh, well, we go. don't get it either. Um, <laughs> the uh, I will get in trouble if I try to re- remember the restrictions directly myself, but they are very very specific with a few of those international organizations that um, that education institutions have to be registered with. The .edu, though, if you've got a .edu on your domain, that's your smooth sailing on in. I mean, that's like $15, and I can have one. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? I don't know. I hear it is that, that oh, they're, 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 they're gated. Getting a .edu is a right. months-long process gated by a whole bunch of stuff. All right. There goes the, there goes the workaround. Be, it might be more expensive for us to build to create a school than it would be just to buy a license. Oh, Correct. Be... <laughs> and then, yeah, at the A3 and A5 level, you're getting very similar to E3 and E5. Um, our A5 SKU is extremely focused on security, um, just like the E5 SKU. Um but in the same way that your E1, E3, E5 don't really have any differences in what you get from out of Teams, you're going to see the same for education. So does Teams, if you're, so you mentioned in meetings, you get the new templates. Is that because Teams sees you have an A license assigned? So it's like, oh, you get this, you get this feature and you have an E or a G license. You don't get it. That's right. Okay. So what's happening with Teams rooms? I know it's in my world is uh, starting to check licenses and not letting you sign in if you have the wrong license type. Let's see if I can. I yeah, I, I saw a little flashy thing. I'm yeah. like, there's an MTR back there. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have fun with that guy. Um, so, yeah, good. I the one big difference uh, that almost I feel like I'm here to talk about is that uh, you there are features for education. Uh, that are specifically built for education, so teams for education. So um, really you get uh, 
this, these three additional templates when you create a team. Um, uh, you can see class teams, which are meant for um, your actual classes or courses. Uh, so be together, uh, distribute assignments, to collaborate, to everything you could do in a, inside of a team. There's a bunch of features I can talk through. There's PLC teams, which are for professional learning communities, uh, which a lot of uh, educators use at that primary, secondary, kind of K-12 level to uh, collaborate with each other. Um, and then you get staff teams, which are meant specifically for um, staff at an institution to collaborate with each other. And we've, we've, we've thrown some unique things in each of those templates, but the class team template is the one that we spend a lot of time working on. That's where our assignments go. So a lot of exciting work that I can uh, only hint at right now is coming um, that you, you should check out the reimagine education event. Um, mm -hmm. Just type that in your little Bing search uh, and register for that uh, next month. So teams for education is way more than just breakout rooms. Because when, when I saw breakout rooms, I'm like, oh, that's for education. And they, you know, we're Don't never going to wrong. Either. We really needed one of those breakout rooms. <laughs> um, Isn't it? So yeah, it's coming. It's coming or not coming and coming to teams rooms. Is that a big use case in education, or is that just more like, eh, it's you know, let's make sure all the teams devices can join the different meeting templates do, or meeting we layouts. We do have uh, quite a quite a good handful, um, larger larger than a handful of uh, institutions and uh, uh, schools using teams rooms in the classroom. Uh, a lot of them outfitted during the pandemic to really support uh, that hybrid learning that we kept bouncing back and forth between. Um, and we've seen in higher ed, especially uh, at some of those institutions that are trying to provide choices to students um, of, you know what, it's okay if you don't come to class in person, or maybe, maybe we're going to have a, uh, a way for you to register for classes here and say, you're not coming in person at all to provide that uh that experience, you know, uh, if you went to college anytime in the past, let's say 30 years, uh, you, you probably 30. had a, <laughs> a technically, <lectern>. yeah, <laughs> you probably had a lectern with a, a podium and a, a computer at the front and a projector or a screen of some sort. And the, the, the professor put the content up in there. We're seeing a lot of those being equipped with, equipped with teams meeting rooms now. Or, or a lamp with a little, see-through plastic thing you would write on with a marker and then that put on too i had that you ever had project no it wasn't no h, no h I, what yeah I, I forget what those are called but that's that's the that's my era <laughs> sometimes they're fancy you could turn the crank and then go to the next one then turn the crank and go to the next <laughs> one to get a new new screen you turn the crank you didn't have to take the sheet off and put a new clean one on and a good teacher will have written or writ, already written everything and then put a dark sheet of paper over the top and just slide it down to expose the light so that you could then see it. I'm like, oh. this teacher prepares, or this teacher wrote this class seven years ago and is just reusing seven years of worth of work, but he's work smarter, not harder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, the, the first president of the United States has changed in the last seven years. <laughs> you write that class once and you can use it for the next 50. <laughs> Maybe update to more woke wordage every now and then, but otherwise mm -hmm. you're in good shape. <laughs> I was going to ask, is there any sort of big features that kind of um, came out of the big remote learning era, COVID, like together mode, was that one of them, breakout rooms, I think you mentioned? 
Yeah, so from the team's meetings perspective, uh, uh, breakout rooms in together mode was huge for education. Yeah, I can imagine um, seeing everybody kind of in a... Breakout rooms, you know, it's just a instructional tool in a physical classroom to say, okay, now break into small groups and work on yeah, yeah. XYZ or talk about XYZ. Not being able to do that remote learning is a huge loss. Oh. So having that is necessary. And together mode, being able to see all your students together at once and remove distractions uh, of what uh, may be in their real background or the virtual background that they chose. Um, And uh, especially for those younger students, making them feel a little bit more comfortable that this is like a class. I'm I'm right next to my my friend kind of a deal. Uh, Seating assignments in together mode, which came out a few months ago. That's (laughs) like that's that was the final thing to make this. Is that a huge one? What was that? that? That was a huge one. I figured when they did that, that was straight for education. But, yep. you know, I, I guess it's, is that so that the instructor can see like, you know, Johnny will always be here. Alice will always be here. Sally will always be here. Bobby will always be there. Yep. I guess that, that's like my son. He, they always have their same spot in the classroom. Exactly like that. It's funny, isn't it? These um, may seem little things, but make a huge difference like that. Yeah, but outside of meetings, uh, a few interesting things came out of the pandemic. Um, Our reflect uh, capabilities inside of Teams for Education, where you can, uh, as an educator, ask your students to check in. Um, So basically, Mm. you you put out a a reflect request, if you will, and you say, how are you feeling today? And the students can respond with a range of emojis. If if you've ever used uh, Viva Insights, um, yeah, for example, it's, it's very similar to that. It's just a little bit more touchy-feely, educationized. Uh, we like to talk about the feelings monster. Uh, it actually <laughs> will show the students, okay, you can choose your feelings monster. How are you feeling today? Which is very much a younger student thing. If you're a higher education professor listening right now, you can ignore this part. Um, but uh, being able to check in and understand how students are feeling, great, um, very important for remote learning. But also really good to see what's going on with your students uh, even with in-person learning, things that you may not get from students who are a little bit more shy in the classroom, maybe not as verbal, uh, maybe not as expressive. Uh, and going and asking that, sitting down with that student in person and trying to get how they're feeling sometimes is too intimidating for that student. So uh, getting a sense from your class of how things are going, how are you feeling today, um, how are your friendships going, uh, all the way to more academic related things of how did the past unit for you go? What what worked well? Yes, the feelings monster in Microsoft Teams. Um, <laughs> this is exactly it. Thank yeah, you for this up because th- this puts a little bit of a UI to what I was talking about here. But uh, you, you really put these posts out for your students. And we have a bunch of templatized ones that are, uh, as you saw in that drop down just for a second there, they're categorized by learning related yeah. or feelings related. It's, wow, look at him. Yeah. Well, I, I'd rather use feeling monster as an adult than some smiley face or a thumbs up or something. You oh, know, we, we should tell our Viva team that. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's, it's, you know, I'm old. So windows NT, but way back in the day, three, five, three, one, it was always boring because businesses don't want fun. Businesses need a business desktop. And then windows 95 is fun. And it's like, that was incorrect. Then it is incorrect today. People are people. We want to have fun at work. Otherwise, it's boring. So give me the feelings monster, Microsoft. Yeah, Martin can probably attest to this too, but 
Uh, and this is an old stat that I cannot back up with any evidence, <laughs> but I, uh, that I'm going to ask Martin to attest to anyways. But, uh, I heard once, uh, back while I was working on a healthcare team that the number one, uh, how do I phrase it right? That the feature that would make your users most upset by turning it off, and this is not education, this is enterprise, is GIFs and Teams. <laughs> Like, out of all the features you could turn off, GIFs will upset your user base the most. People want to have fun. And you know on Reddit how many times I see people complaining about the emojis? They're ugly. They're terrible. Oh, now that that we have a thousand of them, there's still a thousand ugly emojis. I'm like, uh, really? I I have... Okay, one Skype link. Skype puts them out, and they were were trash. But Microsoft did a full refresh like eight years ago, seven years ago. They've been fine. They're fine. Like really, yeah, I, that's what you're getting fired up about. Your life's in really good shape. I worked with some customers who had it enabled to start with, then they were turned off, and you know they were not happy. And then, quite soon after that, they appeared back again. Yep. So yeah, yeah that, am, that little bit of fun. So I need the uh, was it the feelings monster? I yep. think he needs yes. to. Uh, he needs I to make the a feelings monster, appearance. or at least be in, He he could be. He could be everywhere. He could be on the reactions. He could be, uh, yeah, everywhere in Viva. Yeah. Um, there's there's a f- few other features that came out of the pandemic that are really in, really yeah. intriguing. I God, if I if I miss some of these, my education colleagues are gonna come ring my doorbell over the weekend and say, "Hey, why don't you talk about my feature?" But uh, <laughs> just a, a few other ones: uh, insights in education, um, which oh, is cool. like a analytical dashboard. Uh, that can show you what's going on inside of your class team. It can let you know ahead of time which students are potentially running, be- uh, falling behind, uh, who's engaged, who's not. Uh, and uh, while some educators may use this for grading style purposes, it's not really meant for that. It's meant to help identify students who may need that extra help before it's too late. So, yeah, you'll see in here that we can see what's going on at an individual class level. It gives you some immediate insights at the top here, inactive students, people who are late on things. It allows you as the educator to send a message to people immediately. Do they send it as a robot? (laughs) No way. Sorry. We get all the fun graphics. Right. Look how how fun it is with all the, even Shakespeare at the top there. (laughs) Hey, uh, our our uh, team's icons in education are a lot more fun. You um, have different icons. Yes, oh, you we must do. Be. We wow. have like fifty different icons that you can use for your team out of the box, or you can think, upload your own, just like you can. I think we might be building that school, Michael. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this might be worthy ten thousand dollars just to get a <laughs> a free A one license. <laughs> it's Is uh, that. That there is that like a class where I guess that that as we've seen in enterprise, you know, that's a team. But in this case, it's yeah. A so so a, t- a class team is just a team with our extra apps loaded on yeah. top. Um, so you've got assignments, yeah, grades, team. Like, class notebook. Yes, oh, class notebook. Now, class notebook existed long before the pandemic, but class notebook uh, brings you a OneNote template, uh, and this is just so cool. So this one note is for your class and you've got three important sections in there. You've got um, a 
kind of read-only section, a content library for the educator to publish content. It's like your virtual textbook. Uh, the educator puts content in there that students can read only. Um, then you've got an open collaboration area where the educators and students can all collaborate together, used really commonly uh, in remote learning or hybrid learning or group learning sessions where, hey, let's all work on this together. And then you've got a private space for every student where the instructor can see what's going on and they can actually work in there too, but it's meant for the students to have a private space that the teacher or instructor can oversee, can potentially grade work from there, um, or just provide feedback to a student as they're working on something. I mean, even in higher education, you know, you're, you're working on a paper that's a, a three-week long paper that you're working on. Instead of sending drafts back and forth and back and forth, you've got it in OneNote and the educator can kind of check in on you and say, hey, I, I love what you're doing. You should look at this a little bit more. Hmm. All within that class notebook. All within that class notebook. The wow. most popular feature we have. <laughs> In teams wow. now, is it, now is is that technically a OneNote feature? Because I know OneNote has been used for education a lot with a lot of interesting use cases, like helping kids learn to read or who have, have reading difficulties. OneNote has some things. So is that is that kind of leveraging OneNote features, or is that yes. like team specific? So the class notebook is a OneNote notebook. Um, it'll open in OneNote within Teams, um, or it will open in OneNote on the web or OneNote desktop, anything like that. Now, class notebook existed before Teams even was a thing. Um, and you can technically use Class Notebook without Teams, um, but now it is a built into our class teams. So if you set up a class team um, and, and get your students in there as members of the team, the Class Notebook will be ready for you with a single click. Now, for any IT administrators out there, uh, I should mention, uh, we have a technology called School Data Sync, which has improved a lot the last, the last couple of years. School of Data Sync allows you to connect your student information system, which for those who aren't EDU, that's kind of like your your CRM of classes um, or ERP more more uh, appropriately. Uh, it's got all your students in there. It's got who what classes they're in and even some demographics information. Uh, but we'll ingest that information and we'll create a team for every one of your classes for that school year or semester or term. Um, and those classes sit in a, this is another fun feature, in a non-activated state. So only the owners of those teams can see them. They can prep the material, get everything ready for the school year and hit an activate button. And then the students will be able to be let in and they'll see the teams too. Oh, that's nice. So you can prep your classroom or yes. your class. <laughs> But if you are an IT administrator um, at a school, that is something you got to look into because no educator likes to go and have to add all their students one by one and then deal with the ridiculous amount of ads and drops that happen throughout that term. Now, does this, can you do grading within teams or, or progress reports, whatever? So does that sync back to the, the school system that, you know, tracks the users, the CRM, for lack of a better word, whatever education, whatever the education equivalent is of a CRM. Information system, SIS. <laughs> um, yes, so we do grade right back to the SIS. Um, so uh, school data sync, you can think of kind of happening in uh, bi-directionally if it will we'll ingest the enrollment information. Um, and that, that happens on a sync cycle so that we can continue to uh, get those updates and changes that definitely do happen. Um, and then we can do grade right back. Uh, from those class teams for the student grades, for those final grades, 
uh, to make it back into the system. So on those write backs, is there like an industry standard in education or is it just like, here's a JSON file, have fun? <laughs> like, is there like, if you write it in this format, the top 37 programs will be able to read it or is it not quite that standardized? Um, the grade write back is less standardized than the right. uh, enrollment. Uh, the, the enrollment data, the one roster standard is used pretty frequently. Um, uh, and we, we can ingest that and we can also hit some specific APIs. It's, it's a very, um, it's not complicated to set up. It's just complicated how it works. So I'd recommend that people go to, um, sds.microsoft.com and, uh, you can check it out there. Um, and, uh, if you're an education institution, you can literally request assistance right then and there. I should make sure that's the right URL. Yeah, it looks that way. I'm about to I'm about to present this screen, so this this should be it. Ah, Microsoft School Data Sync. Yeah, S I S. That's what you're talking about. Man, it's like you know, it's it's almost like a test. You said all this stuff. Is it accurate? Yep. He's all this. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. It's on there. <laughs> so is there a specific kind of, it says SIS partners integrate. Is, it, is there a specific kind of schools, CRMs, school systems yes. that are certified or integrated? So uh, with the link that, um, actually I'm not sure which link you, you, you clicked. Yep, you clicked the right one. Um, it lists in here uh, which ones, which uh, APIs we can work with. So uh, the one roster API is really the, the key ones we can work with, um, as well as PowerSchool API, which is a very common um, student information system that uh, appears in those primary, secondary K-12 institutions. So uh, we can work with one roster API, PowerSchool API, or we can grab your content via CSV files. Are we getting a phone call? I was. Just Apparently, Teams does, yeah. not, Teams does not uh, depress the audio of a Teams phone call. <laughs> uh, could you, well, you could probably hear that through my mic, maybe. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I found it interesting then how PowerSchool is similar to the wording of PowerShell. <laughs> not at all similar. Totally different. Very different places and people. So in the education space, how much are the other ancillary parts of Let's go with Microsoft 365 leveraged. Thinking like Yammer slash communities, Viva. We talked to Insights. He said it was similar to, to Viva. So is there other stuff or is it pretty much just Teams, a little bit of OneNote, and then it's use Yammer if you want. There's nothing special for education. Yeah. Um, so I'll answer the question twofold. Um, and the way we normally think of education, the teachers and students, educators and students, um, the, I mean, if, if you open your office waffle and follow along with me, um, I'm not actually going to do that. I'm just going to go off memory. Uh, things like Sway. Um, Sway. Sway is Sway. way more used in education than it is in enterprise. Um, Sway is a great way for students to build content um, hmm. to share out. Um, did, it, did it start in education and come to enterprise? It did. Okay. Um, it started for education. I think it may have. I don't think it was gated for education, though. I, I do not remember. Yeah, it, I remember when it first came out, I, I dabbled with it. Yep. Um, but then, yeah, I know because uh, I'm uh, very much on the commercial side, people are like, Sway, is, Sway still exists? That's yeah, a yeah, Microsoft yeah. product? And you're saying, yeah, it exists yeah, and we love it. it. <laughs> um, we, we've got a lot of, uh, of educators who swear by it. Um, 
things like forms. Forms is actually uh, heavily used in education. And in fact, if you go into a class team and you create, click create an assignment, you're prompted with, do you want to create an assignment or a quiz? And if you create a quiz, we guide you through creating a Microsoft form as a quiz that you can uh, use. And there's a lot, been a lot of forms features that we've been really excited about over the past year or two, um, timed assessments being one of them, um, so that you've got those features and forms. Uh, OneDrive and SharePoint, um, just the backbone of everything for all of our customers, regardless of industry, so including education for file storage. Um, but then as we get into some of the other uh, content, what I always try to remind people of is education is a business just as much as any other enterprise or commercial um, entity of, uh, you know, we talked about Viva Insights and I said, that, you know, we, we've got Reflect and that's great for the students, but hey, we want, we want your employees to be able to check in to use Viva Insights. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, we've got these class teams which are meant for learning. That's great for the students. But professional development and um, learning content for staff, we've got Viva Learning, the whole Viva suite for that matter. I can go on and on. Um, you've got all sorts of content and features um, across the Microsoft suite. Everything you think of that you use if you're a non-education person um, is probably used by education faculty and staff as well. So we have a question here from Thomas here. Uh, can the insights call out a student whose grade was off by more than one letter? And then he follows up, say an A student gets a C. So is there um, a way to, I guess maybe where he's heading is if, if a kid's trailing off. Trend. Is there a way for a you know a teacher to recognize that easily and and take an, you know speak with them, check their feelings monster over the last couple of days, or you know? So we do have a. Um, a student support area. Um, I don't believe, uh, I, I got to check with my insights team on this. I don't believe it's going to tell you if a specific student has unusual grades based on their, um, their history, their, their past history, but it will tell you if a student is doing poorly in general. Uh, and poorly is probably not the right word to use there, but if somebody needs that extra level of support, um, we, we do, on an individual student basis, we do definitely uh, show interesting uh, pieces of information of if a, uh, a digital participation for a specific student has gone down. Um, so we can tell you if somebody's started their assignments later than usual or accessed fewer class materials than they did the previous week or things like that. So, um, yeah, uh, a lot of different capabilities in there. I'm just not sure about that exact one. So the thought that crossed my mind is how do, okay, the students don't need a license, right? They just, they um, want or whatever and off they go. All students do need a license. Um, so just like um, Microsoft 365 for enterprise commercial, um, every user must be licensed. Uh, in fact, the identity security for education is extremely important to make, uh, schools are one of the biggest attack targets um, lately. Unfortunately, because people know that they have lower budgets for security um, and that the compliance laws are pretty, pretty um, serious. So schools will do a lot to get their data back. Um, it, it's a sad reality. Uh, but yeah, you, you need to have 
your user's license. They need to, to have all of the fun uh, identity uh, side on Azure AD. So how do you handle it? And again, for like colleges, universities, not a problem. Everyone's 18 and over mostly. How do you handle it for like an eight-year-old getting an identity? Because I'm thinking like, you know, if they sign in as a guest account, they'd have to have a pre-existing email address, which they may not. So how do you, I guess, how do you onboard a new fourth grade student? So crazy as it sounds, and if, if you're a parent of a younger student right now, you're going to say, yeah, it is crazy. Um, <laughs> when, when you start school, um, depending on what school you're at and what grade you're at, you know, most third graders are getting usernames and passwords now from their school. Yeah, during um, during lockdown, um, yeah, we got that, and then I dug in, and that's how we were watching stream videos. We must have had an A one account. My son had, and daughter had Teams. They had access to stream email, and I was like, "What?" Yep. <laughs> I don't know of any school, and I'm sure somebody can prove me wrong right now that is using guest accounts for their students. That mm. is a little bit of a logistical nightmare, um, and proving that. You know, this is actually the student, not some random person submitting content, which is a whole nother ballgame. Um, but yeah, you you were issuing identities to students um, and usernames and passwords. And at the younger levels, the parents are absolutely involved in that. Um, we generally hope that the parent has the username and password too. In fact, I believe a lot of schools issue it directly to the parents first. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, everybody's getting a username and password, and that's how we do the enrollment, and that's how we do grading and all that stuff. All right. So what's what's new? Uh, there's <laughs> looks like a couple of days ago. There's a bunch of new stuff rolling out. Well, there's um, new stuff, of course. Um, yeah. So what's well, the new hotness? <laughs> so. Um, New uh, for Teams for Education. Let's let's look at my list. Yeah, there's, like a, there's like a Jupyter notebook, insights for rubrics. I don't even know what these. I don't even know what these words are. Jupyter spelled wrong, or right? Okay, so, rubrics. So, new updates to reflect. I'm like, what's reflect? We just put out, we just, uh, put out a bunch of fake words, hoping you don't notice. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know what? I guess I need to go back to school. <laughs> we now call Jupiter with a I with a Y now, not an I. <laughs> You need to update. There's and Pluto's not a planet, or is it again? Like I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think the latest is no. Uh, I think they're hanging on to no. It's it's now it's like a dwarf planet. It's like they made up a new term for Pluto. It's like yeah, it's kind of a planet, but it's not. It's a dwarf planet. What? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> um. So okay, let's start with Jupiter notebooks. Um, spelled <laughs> right with a Y. Um. So. Uh, Jupyter notebooks are basically um, they're they're a, a way to uh, put together documents and code and text and visualizations and stuff like that uh, for the Python language specifically. So this is very computer science oriented and programming oriented, which is happening at younger and younger levels. Um, yeah, the kids are coding, um, but it's it's a very common um, way to share. Uh, a large set of information and work on information uh, in the Python languages. So it's like, okay, so here's the thing you're going to do next in Python, X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on it myself, but we do have a lot of, uh, there are a lot of education institutions that use these really heavily. 
Um, and we wanted them to be able to be inside of uh, Teams assignments so that you can assign out a Jupyter Notebook and ask students to, to do that assignment. And the coolest thing is it provides you a full runtime environment uh, directly inside of Teams, inside of our assignment service. Um, not that the windows are getting smaller, just visualizing here. Uh, it allows you to put together your Python code and run it. Uh, for example, and I'll, I'll, I'm just reading off one of the screenshots on the blog. Like you, you put a, a question in there as an educator saying, print a sentence that announces your name and age that uses variables you've created from your previous question. Hello, my name is blank and I am blank years old. And you, you, you put together a print statement that, that uses uh, concatenating text and variables and, and teams can execute right there to show you that it works. Really cool stuff uh, that uh, my my partner PM Life and his team have been working on for a while. So is Jupyter Notebook like a generic thing, or, or like, like a, a a Python thing, or is Python this like thing. a or is it a third party application for purchase? No, it's a Python thing. It's a Python I thing. Came, I'm sure I came across Jupyter Notebooks when I was doing and dabbling with Azure Sentinel um, with some of these probably. C and it, it was a similar thing about you could document things and run code or python and yeah it kind of went over my head but i do remember i think i did see i was like why is jupiter spelt like that but yeah it, i, I don't want to say this definitively but i believe jupiter um notebook is open source mm, yeah i think it, i think it is across different kind of yeah i think it is as well yes it's built on open source libraries at least um, one of the other new things that seems interesting to me is phonics rules challenge assignments in reading progress. So uh, I know what each one of those words individually means, but uh, put together in that form of a phonics rules challenge assignment, I don't know what that is. So reading progress. Let, let's start with the end of your... Uh, of yes, the reading progress. Yes, those are the end. <laughs> so reading progress is a, um, a new tool that... It's not very new anymore. It's almost a, it's a year old, probably, maybe even a little bit more. <clears throat> uh, I have to check on my buddy Mike Wolfson on that one. Um, but Reading Progress is a tool for educators to assign passages to students. And those students open them up in Teams. They turn on their microphone and ideally their camera. And they record themselves reading those passages. Um, okay really important things for students to know how to read, obviously. Um, and we used to do these in individual sessions with students. I remember in third grade being taken out of the classroom into a private room and asked, being told, okay, read this paragraph. And I was, you went to fancy school. <laughs> I was assessed on it. My school, we had two grades and one teacher at the same time. So first and second were together, third and fourth, fifth and sixth. So we didn't have time to have private time with the teacher. <laughs> Maybe that was just a me thing. Um, uh, but uh, what we're what we're hoping, uh, what we're seeing now is that we need to be more proactive with figuring out progress from readers. And so what happens is we use AI, um, fun buzzword, uh, on these recordings uh, and show the educator, okay, and the student for that matter, here are the vowels that they here here are the words that they did well with here are the, the syllables that they needed help with here's where they're slower faster all sorts of different things that um that these specific educators that deal with reading uh, are 
very, very interested in. Um, and it gets to the point of kind of gamifying it. Uh, oh, we lost him. Um, oh, he's, he, he, he messaged me. He's got to probably help his kids with their homework. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's, he's now going to. Maybe I should actually listen to my children reading. I always read to them. They got a good idea. Hold on. I've been a poor father. <laughs> So these, these students uh, basically read these passages um, and the educator can provide them new passages based on what they did well, what they didn't, uh, and help with that individualized support. Um, and what phonics rules challenges does is help them with, as it sounds, the phonics. So we can use some software analysis that we're doing on words at the, at the phenome level to give accuracy ratings per individual phenomes so that students can actually have a better idea and educators of where they're struggling with phenomes and where they need help. Um, it's, uh, it's incredible. It's an area that I had no idea even existed, but it makes sense that, you know, right. th these are things that we need to pay attention to as students are working. So I don't I don't want to make this a competitive discussion, but are the competitive the, the other competitors in this uh, whatever remote learning software teams land are they doing things like this as well, or is this a is this where Microsoft is taking a lead? Or is Microsoft catching up, or a little of everything? We, uh, you know, somebody uh, somebody in the online comms is going to go, you're wrong, um, but uh, we're really taking the lead uh, in in a lot of these advanced areas like um, reading progress and insights uh, that we're, we're being pretty innovative here and uh, we're working pretty directly with um, educators themselves, instructional technologists, phonics specialists, um, student well-being uh, focused individuals, just everybody across the board on trying to make sure that we are building what people actually need instead of just what exists out there and making sure we have it too. And how often do you run into schools using, you know, Zoom and Teams or is it, or is everybody like always just one? Oh no, we, we, we run across everything. Um, sure. Yeah. So I, I have I a buddy school. who works for a, a virtual school. Like they've always been virtual and no. they use Zoom with the students, but Teams with the, uh, the staff and, and oh, administration. Gosh. I, I had a dollar. Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie to anybody here and say, no, no, I, I don't see schools using Zoom because you all do too. <laughs> um, we're definitely seeing a bit of a shift though um, in this, uh, I, uh, I don't know if post-pandemic is the right term yet, but uh, in, in the latest uh, world that we're in of, uh, you know, we, we see it in the news all the day, right? All, all day long right now that uh, organizations, institutions, uh, everybody is consolidating their tech spend. Um, and so for that school that's using Teams for their faculty and staff and um, Zoom for their remote learning, those sorts of schools are being faced with tough decisions right now. Of, oh, hey, we, we have a we're, we're dealing with budget cuts. Hey, IT, where can we cut spending? Where where do we have duplicate right. spending? And while that was acceptable during the pandemic because there were increased budgets for it and everybody was offering a discount, yep, <laughs> that's not flying anymore. Um, so we're, we are seeing a lot of 
institutions and schools consolidating back onto teams of, well, we're already, we're utilizing our M365 contract for these seven other things. We're, we're not going to get rid of teams. And uh, teams is definitely to the point now where um, it's pretty hard to make the, the argument that there are features in Zoom that we can't compete with. All right. Um, starting to starting to wrap up for those uh, who were at the beginning, the tow truck is there for Martin's car who lost his lost its suspension, so he's he stepped away. Uh, kind, kind of a maybe one of my last decent questions. Assuming I had decent questions before services, how if you're a school, you know, and how, what what kind of professional services and support is there to bring up new features? move to teams. I mean, initially during the pandemic, it was like, just turn it on and we'll figure it out. Um, now that, that that era is possibly passed, what kind of services are out there? But Microsoft directly, third parties, how do you, how do you like optimize and learn about these new features? Yeah. Um, well, let's start with uh, onboarding um, an actual school itself. Um, fast track. Uh, Microsoft oh, fast track does it as well. Okay. Yep, we have education fast track specialists. Um, same restrictions. I think something like five hundred or two hundred and fifty licenses. Some, right. Something like enough that. to get you enough to get you start pointed in the right direction and up and running, but not to, not long term support. Yep, we have a um, whole bunch of education partners. Additionally, that are specialized in education who can provide more of that high touch support. I'm going to pull up that link um, and and make sure that we get that out there. Um, but we actually just put together a new landing page for our education partners. So I got to find that. Um, and uh, then we like to believe that um, the content we have out on Microsoft Learn, so both the interactive uh, learning video-based content, um, as well as the information we have on uh, the docs articles on Learn, it it's, it's a lot out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, I mean, Michael, you can probably attest to this from uh, being a former Microsoftie, and uh, we, we need we keep those articles up to date. It is a, a, it's a lot of work. Requirement. If we change a service, we update an article. Just how it works. So, um, if you're a person like me who you like to just figure it out, uh, right? The, the articles are out there for your reading. Figuring out is is good, but if you're dealing with, I mean, it just seems I don't know. Maybe because I'm not in that world. It seems like you you have to be more conscientious when you're dealing with, you know, children, teenagers, and how you're going to implement versus adults. So on the commercial side, where you just kind of like, yeah, I can wing it. <laughs> our, our 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 adults are you know experienced. They can they can kind of figure it out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's different. Um, we have a lot of uh, training um, partners and training resources internally. Um, we quite, I don't want to say famously, but it, it sure hit the news. Uh, what it was a year and a half ago, two years ago, when we shut down the Microsoft stores and all of those employees uh, were offered uh, training um, positions within Microsoft. So we have a pretty large group of trainers now who are quite good at that. They were, if you're, they were a stores employer, they were doing training already um, in the stores. And so uh, a good segment of them have been dedicated towards education as well, to sitting down with, uh, teachers, educators, faculty, staff, and helping get them ready to to teach. All right, um, and then we have uh, I should I, I would be 
Um, remiss if I didn't mention, if you go to education.microsoft.com, we have just a whole bunch of resources um, that are specific on Microsoft Learn to all of our education products. Some that I talked about today, some that I didn't even have a chance to touch on. Um, the instructional side of things of how to use Microsoft technologies in the best way there. Uh, so if you click browse educator training, there's just a ton of stuff there. Just a ridiculous amount of stuff. Uh, if you scroll down, you'll see that we have a Microsoft educator program, which is uh, a, a way that you can become um, trained specifically for Microsoft technologies in the classroom. Um, and if you get if you get innovative enough, you can become a Microsoft innovative educator, which is an application based program um, or am I -E -E, uh, innovative mm -hmm. educator expert. Um, and you can really be a part of our uh, communities. Yeah, and then there's a I'm guessing there's a whole community as well, be it based off Twitter or LinkedIn groups or whatever about about this e field everywhere. Yes. All right. Well, we're, we're pushing an hour here, so I think it's a good about time to wrap up. And, and Martin bailed on us because <laughs> he has a junky car. We're getting up last this time. <laughs> um, anything else you want to wrap up with? Any other like parting thoughts or like people that I didn't ask or, you know, this is the question you get all the time that I didn't ask. Anything else to close up or are we good? Uh, what I'll say is that we've got a lot of exciting stuff that we're going to be announcing uh, in March. So... Um, is, there, is there an event in March? There is. Um, Perfect. Share that link as well if you have one. I'm going to share the link to that right now. Um, let me just pull that up for you all. Because uh, we in the, the Teams Rooms and Devices and AV world, the a big week is next week at the uh, ISE in Barcelona. It's Europe's biggest event, but the company for whom I work, we will have a big, exciting announcement. I work for Jabra now, so we have a huge announcement coming next week. I'll keep tapping. Uh, okay. find it. <laughs> Did you find it? <laughs> I found it. Um, I'm going to put the link in our chat, and you can make that more public. Yep. Um, it's called our Reimagine Education event. It is on Thursday, February 9th at 9 o'clock Pacific. We're also going to have a re-show at 6 o'clock Pacific for anybody in a time zone where that's not so great. Um, the other area that I would suggest you pay attention to is our uh, education blog on the tech community. I'll post a link yeah. to that as well because uh, we have some stuff that isn't even, isn't even going to be in that big event um, that uh, we're going oh, to You're going to have a blog listing all the highlights from the Reimagine event. And some stuff that Reimagine won't even cover. All right. <laughs> we ran out of time. So there you go, as, as happens. Uh-huh. But do check out the Reimagine event. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming. And when is that in March? Uh, you're making me jump too many tabs. <laughs> uh... is on february 9th february 9th all right well thanks a lot max um for martin as well thanks so much we've been trying you know since december of last year i mean we, we did shut down the show for you know the holidays 
But uh, thanks a lot. Looks like uh, some people have been hanging with us all the way through. Good feedback so far. So thank you, everyone who's been watching. And, um, you know, these are these are all saved on YouTube. So for those of you who want to share this with your administrators, parents, um, just IT geeks like me who never really learned about this world, um, please share the YouTube stuff. And Max, thank you so much. Any 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 closing comment or have you already done or was that what you just did? <laughs> It's been great being here. Um, if anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm Max A. Fritz on, on Twitter. You can get a hold of me that way probably the most easily. Um, and I'd love to chat. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Max. Uh, it's been very eye-opening for me. So thanks a lot for your time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.